All right, let's get started. Let's jump in. I, I was trying to come up with something funny to get everyone in, but uh, that was pretty lame. So this week, we are going through another topic uh, that is essential to the makeup of who we are as a church, uh, as restoration. We have talked about restoration as a prophetic church, and we've talked about as a, we are as a church that believes in healing. And this morning, we will talk about restoration as a, a local church family. I want to start by saying there are many different types of church-going people, so to speak. There are those who would go once a year on either Easter or Christmas. There are those who would go once every six months, you know, once a month, or maybe there are those who would go every Sunday. Uh, with that said, uh, I think different people, when you ask people what is a local church, different people will give different answers to that question. So what is it? Do we go to church once in a while to get a, a dose of spiritual high or a spiritual goodness so then we can go about you know, doing our business for the next month or so until we feel down and then we just go to church again just so we can get a little dose of pick-me-up? Or is it uh, the extreme opposite as in, is it a religious responsibility that all oh, Christians need to attend church? Did that sound religious? I was trying to get. So, so what is it? So instead, instead of guessing what is the local church, depending on who we ask, because if you ask different people, they may give us different answers. We need to go straight to the source, and, and if you are here for more than once, we always talked about the Bible. We always talk about going to Scripture to find the answer for the, the things that we need to do and hear from God, uh, and what does the Bible has to say about the local church. So this is, we can have an understanding of, of why we want and need to be a part of a local church family. Before we get into what is a local church, I want to touch briefly on why we gather on Sunday mornings to, to worship and to hear from God together. It's because when we have the revelation of Jesus is God, or at least searching for that revelation, that's when we attend. The supernatural revelation and the acknowledgement that Jesus died for our sins so this is done by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior in our hearts and declaring it with our mouths, right? I know it may be simple, but not always. And, and with the understanding that we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. We know that from uh, Colossians 1, 13. And as we're rescued into his kingdom, we become members of his household. And I think that is something that sometimes is missing because if we operate under the religious um, attitude. It's like, I have to do this. No, we're sons and daughters. So that's why we go to church, be part of a, a family, what God has put us into. So the moments that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we be immediately become a member of God's household, right? So just to sum that up quickly, so he rescued us into his kingdom. We have eternal life. However, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, hey, fend for yourself for a little bit. And then when you go to heaven, you'll be with me. He puts us into many local families, which are the local churches. In Psalm uh, 68, verse 6, it said, God sets the lonely in families. So not only did he rescue us from eternal hell, I know it doesn't sound great on a Sunday, but that's the truth, into his kingdom of light, which is what we now belong for all eternity, through Jesus, he also specifically and intentionally set us into a local church family.
for the present time. It was not an accident. It's not because we're just walking and suddenly we found some church and we just decided to go to it. God sets us into family. So it's a family of God's people that is being uh, put together and built by Jesus. We know that from Matthew 16, right? I will build my church. Jesus only said that after Peter acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God. So once Peter has that revelation that Jesus is a Savior and the Son of God, that's when Jesus said, now I will build my church through you. That's my translations, actually. That's how I would translate it. So it will help to give me a better understanding because he's waited, he, Jesus waited until Peter realized and admit and accept that Jesus is the Son of God. Then he will say, okay, I will build my church on this rock, on this knowledge, on that revelation. So a church, a local church family, is not like a, a chess club. Uh, some people may refer to it as you know, a, a group of people getting together like a book club, right? A chess club or any other good intention nonprofit organizations. Because if that was the case, the church will be just a group of very similar people, right? Because you gather for similar interests, people with similar interests, similar age group, similar income bracket, or similar ethnicity, but that's not the case. That's not what the church, the local church family is made up of. Jesus is building his church, and he is sending us into his families. Families, and I'm going to say that a lot throughout this sermon, so hopefully you guys will get it, because he is building his church, is one. He's building his church through us, and he's setting us into a specific family. Because he knows better than us. He knows what we need even though we don't realize what we need. And he knows what the local church family needs from us, from both sides, even though we may not think we need something, but he knows better. This is why we say to, I think I have talked to everyone, we say to those who come to Restoration that we would love to have you be a committed member of Restoration. But we want you to first hear from God if this is where he has you. It is God who sets us into families. Remember that. It is God who sets us into a local church that we belong to. There's a term, um, you guys have heard this. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. I think we all have heard that. I think we all may have said that one time or another. And I think it applies to the local church family also. Because sometimes we may want to be somewhere else, but we need to remember that God sets us into families. And I think I speak for everyone, for those who are here and committed or want to be a part of restoration is we realize God has set us here into our family. Um, it may be difficult for us to hear or we may not want to hear it because we have, I mean, we have a, a, a strong influence where we have a tendency to choose for ourselves, right? Because there's so much influence in society about us having choices the right to have choices, the right in terms of how I live and how I choose. So we, become, we have become very independent, which I completely get. I grew up on my own, so I want to be independent. As soon as someone tells me what I need to do, my first response is like, well, no way. I'm going to do what I want. But what I'm, I'm saying all that to say is we need to realize that God knows better. He knows better than what we think or what we know or what we have learned. And he is setting us into a local church family so we can learn and grow and mature. And also at the same time, 
He knows what he's doing because he's building his church through us, and he knows what each local church needs from each one of us. And I'll, I'll go more in, in depth on that in a few minutes. So just to emphasize that, he knows better. He knows what this neighborhood needs. Before we even felt the, 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 the calling to plant a church, God knew what North Center needs. God knew this neighborhood needs. He knew all those things, and he had planned those things ahead of time. So I'm, I'm saying that to say that he knows better. Even though when we think we know better, God knows better. He knows what this neighborhood needs. He knows what restoration needs. He knows what each of us needs through the local church. So in order to know and hear what he knows and what he's trying to tell us to do, it, it's important for us to understand the concept behind corporate prayer. And I just want to throw this in as a plug, and it's something that we do a lot and we always talk about. And if you don't fully understand, it's because we all want to hear from God, hear what he's doing, because we know he knows better. We can't plan things out. I can read, there are many books on church planting. There are many books on leading churches. But we need to know what he has planned for us as a church. We don't want to be the same as Moody or Hillsong or Willow Creek or... I don't know, name some Bethel or some other churches because we know that it's similar to a family. Each family is different, right? Some families have a lot of kids. Some have one or two kids. Some have 10 kids. Some have one kid. Some have no kid. You know, professionally, some are teachers. Some are healthcare professionals. Some are business professionals. So it's all different. And we need to hear from God to know that what he is doing through each of us and together, walking it out together. That's why corporate prayer is important, so all of us can hear it together, and all of us can understand why we're doing the things that we do. So anyway, in the kingdom of God, I just thought I'd plug corporate prayer because that's something that we truly strongly believe in. Uh, in the kingdom of God, the local church is interchangeable as the term family. Um, we can see this through the language used by Jesus at the dawn of the New Testament church, right? Um, John 19, when Jesus was on the cross, he said to his mom, uh, woman, here's your son, to John, the author of the Gospel of John. And he said to John, here's your mother. So he's using these uh, family lingos to tell his people, us, what he wants us to, to act and behave like. We see in First Corinthians, now you're a body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. We are part of a body, of a family. And um, I don't think I put this on there on Ephesians 4, but also there's Ephesians 4, chapter Ephesians chapter 4, 4 to 6, it's about one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, Father of all. So we're, as a church, as a family, we become a, a member of his household, and we're held together by his spirit, the spirit of God within the local church family. This is what separates us from every other groups, clubs, organizations, tribes, clans, corporations, whatever term that you want to use. It's a, because God has put us together. It's not because we're gathering because we like similar things or we have similar political point of view or what have you. Each of us was uniquely or is uniquely being set into a specific local church family. And when we're set into a local church family, we're strengthened and we're bounded together by the Holy Spirit. So now we know that the local church should function as a family, right? So we can use the illustration or a, a function within a, a healthy family. I don't want to say that term family lightly. A healthy family. 
So within a healthy family, we're to love each other, right? There's verses on Romans 12. It's about be devoted to one another. I highlight a few things on there. Love each other. Honor each other. Never be lacking zeal. Serving the Lord. Be, be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Sharing with each other. Practice hospitality. So as we come together as a family, we live out the function of what a family should be. Right? Love each other. Put aside our differences because God put different people in our families. They're going to be people that we may not like so much. They're going to be people that we not, may not have a lot of things in common. But he wants us to come together, learn to love each other, honor each other, and share with each other when those who are in need. Practice hospitality. Pray for each other. Have faith for each other. And also, I highlighted the things that serving the Lord as a family we all have chores, right? Which one of you guys grew up and didn't have chores? Anyone? I want to see your hands because I want to be, that, I want to be in that family. <laughs> so it's about doing things together, serving. But I want to, what I want to highlight is serving the Lord, serving Jesus. It's about we all are pitching in as a family. We all jump in. But the emphasis is serving Jesus. When we talked about serving within a church, whether it's uh, making coffee or putting up the signs, uh, putting up um, slides or fixing the slide, it's about serving Jesus. It's not about serving Hugh or Vanessa or serving, it's serving Jesus. We always need to keep that in mind. The things that we do is not for, for, for Hugh or for Gavin or for Anne or for Marie, it's serving Jesus. That's who we're serving because, remember, Jesus is building his church. He's building his church through us. That's my translation. But that helped me better. It's building his church through us. Um, so as we come to that, that understanding and God specifically set us into, should I take a break? Um, uh, okay, no slides. That's fine. We, we'll go with that. So anyway, we, we all just need, once we have that understanding, God has set us here. He's building this church through us then that will help us to be able to jump in, roll up our sleeves and just help wherever that is needed and do whatever is needed because we're serving Jesus. I want to emphasize that. And that's something that will help us in time which we are going to get tired. We are going to want to sleep in sometimes. We are going to like, well, I've made enough coffee for the last two years. I don't want to make coffee anymore. I can say that because I'm the one making coffee. So, but what, I'm, what I tell myself is I'm serving Jesus. Jesus is doing the work here. I'm not doing it for just anyone else. So everything and anything that we do within the local church family is to serve Jesus. And keep that always in the forefront. And when we teach kids ministry, whether we're putting up signs or on the worship team, it's serving Jesus. I'm not saying everyone needs to be on five different areas and always have to serve because there's a season where you may be busy and there's a season where you just got to step back, which is totally, totally understandable. But keep in mind that we're serving Jesus and he's building his church through us. Um, okay. So don't do those things for, for Hugh and Vanessa. I mean, we do need help. Don't get me wrong. We can't do everything. I like to talk like I can do everything, but I, I know I can't do everything. But everything that's done for restoration is to serve Jesus. And I want to emphasize that to everyone. 
Uh, and then we tell that to our kids also. It's like you're doing it for Jesus. It's not just for so-and-so. So never be lacking in zeal in our serving. Always be excited to serve Jesus. Be willing to serve Jesus. When we bring forth our time, our energy, our efforts, our gifting, and our finance. Um, I think there's a verse from Romans 12. It's about bringing forth our gifting. Um, <laughs> you guys are not going to see it. So in Christ, through, through many form one body, each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesying in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. It is to show, oh, Mike, yes. The great IT guy. I, um, I'm just joking. At my, I, I work also full-time at my office. They call me the IT guy because I, just, I think I just know how to turn it off and on on the computer. And I get categorized as the IT guy because I'm Asian. I do have to live up to some stereotypes. Um, but anyway, so it's about serving and our gifting. We just come and bring forth our gift because Jesus is building his church through us. He ha- the gift that we already, already have, he wants to activate it and use it so that our church will grow and mature and blossom. And we need to be willing to be used by Jesus as he is building his church through us. Right? Very few people, very few people knew know right away what is the gifting. I think I can say that straight out. But with most of us, probably 99% of us, we don't fully know what is our gifting until we start walking in it, right? So as we begin to use and exercise that gifting, we will grow in it. That's the only way that I know and have seen a gift grown. It has to be used, and it has to be applied. It's just like singing, right? Or writing, or sports, or praying. We need to first learn to exercise that muscle, walk into it, and be willing to make mistakes along the way to understand what that is. Because if we come in, and I'm going to use the example of our youngest. He's not here. Joel, he keeps saying, well, I don't know much about music. He's probably the most musical of the kids. He said, well, I'm not good at sports. He has extremely good hand-eye coordination. But see, until we actually start doing it, that's when we realize, oh, I'm good at it. So that's how we can grow in our gifting. And I, I think I've shared this with a lot of people. I'm standing up here. I used to shake being in front of people. There were times when all I had to say is one sentence. I'd rehearse it, memorize it for two hours, and I would blank out when I'm up front. So I'm not saying I'm good at this or it's gifting. It's just some things we need to walk into it, trusting that God is taking us trusting that God is using us for a bigger purpose. Um, so that's about our gifting. Uh, and also, just the same thing, you know, it doesn't have to be, well, I'm really good at singing, so that's all I'm going to do. Just in the, within the family aspect, just help wherever there's needed, right? I can very well say, well, I'm the breadwinner, so I'm never going to load the dishes. I'm not going to do the dishes or wipe the tables. But that wouldn't fly, right? But my point is, we just want to jump in and help wherever the help is needed because we're a family. We do this together. And again, we do it to serve Jesus, not to serve a person or an idea. And it just may be something that's needed just for the season, right? I may be just loading the dishes for the season, but my kids are getting older. 
they've been doing it. And that's, they're going to be gifted at loading dishes soon. So never be, never be lacking in zeal when serving Jesus. Come with your heart full and be excited to serve Jesus for the things that he's doing through us. And we talked about just serving, bringing forth, and be generous. I do want to take a minute to talk about tithes and offerings. So as you may notice, if you've been visiting for a while, we usually don't talk much about tithes and offerings. It's not because we don't believe in it. We do. Completely. Totally. 100%. Did I get the point across? So we believe in tithes and offerings. We view it just one of the areas where we trust in our God. We trust in God for our families, for our kids. We talked about bringing forth everything, laying it before him. That's including finance. Including finance. Another way to look at tithes and offerings is just like a sign of worship. Right? As we come, we bring forth our, our hearts and our soul and our body and our, our worship. Acknowledge that he is the ultimate creator. He's the ultimate provider. We bring forth everything, our gifting, our serving, and our finances. I know I'm preaching to the choir because this is not something that we are struggling in. But at the same time, it's, some, it's not because we have too much or too little. It's just about us bringing forth everything that we have, and trusting in him, saying that our complete dependence in God, complete as in everything, right? Not, not just everything, but money, our future, our families, our kids, our relationship, our jobs, and our finance. Money is an incredible idol. I do want to say that. Money often keeps us back, and I know this is something that I used to struggle with when I first became a Christian. It's like, well, it's my paycheck. I work for this, but it's often keep us back from walking fully into what God wants to give us, what he wants to bless us. God knows this. He knows money has a, is a very strong and powerful pull. The love of money is strong, and it's an idol. Money and possessions are mentioned over 2,300 times in the Bible. That's a lot, right? And there's one verse that I do want to point out. It's from Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tie into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. You guys can read the rest on there. And he said, you know, I will throw open the floodgates. Money is the only thing that I'm aware of that God said, test him. The only thing that God said, test me in this. That's pretty amazing. So that speaks a lot to how strong and powerful the poor for the love of money to take us away from dedicating our lives to God. So when I say, God, I trust in your provision. I trust in you. I trust in who you are. Use me. I want to obey you. Well, tithes and offering is walking the walk. We talked a lot about talking the talk and walking the walk. Well, we can talk a lot, but we got to walk the walk. And that's tithes and offering. So hopefully I'm getting the point across that we do believe in tithes and offerings. And I think it's, it's a sign of our willingness to obey him Follow the things that he has called us to do. Give generously. Uh, again, I think um, it's from Romans 10. Give generously. If you go, go back, um, give generously of our time, our worship, our gifting, and our finance. And when we do that, we will all grow together as a family. All of us walking fully into the fullness of what God has for us. So we can all learn from each other. We all have something to give to each other, be generous to each other with our time and our effort and our energy. Yes, what she said. Serve Jesus and help each other. 
with all that we are able, so then we can all grow together, right? Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3, talk about enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent, curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right, to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So Isaiah 54 speaks about growth, right? Through firstly us, with ourselves, among ourselves, within this church family. Grow in terms of hosting people, being hospitable, sharing with people, uh, connecting with people that we normally don't get along with. Learn from each other. Pray for each other. Honor each other. And how to grow in terms of a relationship is the only way for us to spend time together and encourage each other. Grow in receiving encouragement. Growing, asking for help. Because after we do that, then we can, after we grow in those areas, then we can start doing those things outside of the church. Being transparent with those who don't know Jesus. And they can speak to us. And once they realize, we just, we don't want anything from them. We just want them to know Jesus. That is how we can share the good news, share the gospel. Okay, I think I, I'm running along on time here. I'm trying to see what I'm going to cut out. So, okay, so lastly, oh, I still have two pages. Why is it lastly? <laughs> lastly, so God's families are not meant to stand still. For a season, we may need to stand still, but we're meant to grow and expand and move forward. Right? So we talk about Isaiah as growing, as expanding, but they also need to move forward. Psalm 119 said, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And as we listen to God and trust him and hear from him, we will move, we will grow. And there's a unique path that God has set out for us. And as we listen to him, we'll know where we need to go, go into. And it's a verse that we, we all know very well, and I know... There's actually a whole sermon in just this verse from Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. Blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Without vision, people will scatter. So as in, people will wander aimlessly, lost, clueless, unaware of the things around us, just interested in where's the next meal, right? Where's the next paycheck? Where's the next high? Where's the next party that we're going to go to? But we have a vision for us as a family. Each of us have a vision. We should have a vision. Where are we going? What are we going to? What are we working toward? If you don't know, if we don't know the answer to that, we're not asking God for directions. Or we're not listening. Or we're not hearing. Well, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, our vision should be huge. It should be ridiculously big. It should not be, well, okay, so I'm just going to want a bigger house. No, it should be ridiculously big. Our vision for restoration is to glorify Jesus everywhere. That's ridiculously big, right? For a church that's really small, it just started two years ago. And everywhere is everywhere. Everywhere, like more outside the U.S., everywhere. All the nations, everywhere. Because that's what God has called us to do. We, have to, we serve a big God. The biggest ever. The biggest ever. We serve a big God. Because if it's not big, then it's from us. Then that vision is from us. And there's a vision from man. And I'll be honest with you guys. I don't want to serve any man's vision. At all. 
And I want you guys to not serve any man's vision. You got to serve God's vision. Serve his vision because he will give us something that's big and scary that we, when we think about it, we, we tremble. But we need to trust him and obey him and see the light that is shining on our feet, on our path, and trust him and follow him. We always need to have godly vision for our lives. And I speak that to both our individual family and our church family. We're not meant to get up, go to work, collect our paycheck, pay the bills, and do it all over again until we die, right? That's depressing. Is that depressing for you guys? It's depressing for me. I think, I hope that's depressing for you guys. And, you know, just using an example, how would we like to work for a company that don't have a vision of what it wants to be or to do in five or ten years? Ask ourselves that question. If I can maybe encourage us or, or challenge us, if you have kids, ask your kids to ask you. Or if you have your spouses or friends, tell them to ask you that question. What is God's vision for your life? Perhaps, hopefully, as my kids get older, I can tell them, ask us, what is God's vision for our family? So then, hopefully, this will force each of us to answer that question honestly. Force us to listen and hear God and say, God, what do you have for me? What is your vision for my life, for my family? And the same thing with restoration. We know that because we know God is taking us to much bigger things. Some days, it doesn't feel like it, but we trust in him. And we're just going to keep on going forward and following his, his light and his leading. So, so this is the same for our local church family about having a vision for our future, right? So when we are meant to be more than just get together for two hours on Sunday morning each week. After that, we go on our merry ways and do life independent of each other. When we leave here, this is when we, each of us, individually, are meant to be a city on the hill, right? A light on the hill, a salt of the earth. We're God's people. We need to remind ourselves that. At least maybe for me. I need to remind myself, I'm God's people. I'm a member of his household. The almighty God, the biggest God, the biggest ever. We are people with substance. We are people with impact and with a purpose. We're not someone who's wandering around lost, don't really know what to do, don't really know where to go, don't really know what to be. We are people with godly vision. He wants to tell us what to do and where to go. So we gather as a church family to worship him. I'm really, I'm closing. <laughs> to worship him and to hear from God. And we gather just to serve him first. And as a local church family, he wants us to grow. So when we can grow in our maturity, grow in hospitality, grow in being generous, grow in our gifting, grow in recognizing all the things that we can do, and grow in encouraging and helping each other people. And then after that, we can serve those outside the church by being the light, by being the salt for all the things that we have learned and grown through being within the church setting. And so let's encourage each other in serving and pursuing God's vision for our family and for our church. And that's why the local church is a family because he put us in here. He is building his church and he's doing that through us. And we are to operate as a family. It's so much more than just getting together, sing a few songs, listen to something nice, hopefully puff us up and we go about our day. There's so much more, so much more to it than that. And what are some of the practical applications? I am really ending. There's only a couple minutes left. 
I'm on, a, I'm on my last page. So practical application to help each of us and to help restoration, this local church family, to fully walk into the unique future that God has set out for us is one, prioritize for us to come on a Sunday, not from a religious standpoint, but come understanding that it's God's family. We are God's family. He has set us here specifically, intentionally. Come to corporate prayer together. Hear from God together. And connect group. That's where we can fellowship, get to know each other, strengthen each other, learn from each other, be encouraged by each other, pray for each other. It's uh, telemarketing. It's, uh, and, and, you know, the second thing, a practical thing is to, um, if this is your local church family, it's a place to give and to receive. Give in terms of serving, but also to receive from others. To come. I, I, I know this very well because I grew up on my own and I was very independent. So receiving and asking for help is not easy. But that's why God put us in the family because he knows what each person needs. And as we come into a family, we recognize that, oh, I need help in this area. I need prayer in this area. I'm trusting for breakthrough, so stand with me. We need to be able to both give in terms of serving and receive. When we say serving, don't forget, we're serving Jesus. That's who we're serving. And the, the next thing is uh, similar. is build and strengthen and encourage each other within restoration through fellowship. Get together outside of those church meetings. That's the only way we can get to know each other. That's the only way that we can share and, and pray for each other, strengthen each other, encourage each other. And then the next step is to do that with those outside of the church. Because when we do that, that's how we naturally share the gospel, share the good news. It's always with the intention of sharing the good news. I know it's uncomfortable because there are times when I, I hesitate and I get really nervous for sharing the good news or inviting people to come to church, but we need to keep in mind we're serving Jesus. And he only asks us to do, there's only one commission, right? I think we all know this. There's, he only commissioned us to do one thing, is to share the gospel, share the good news. And that's something that we need to always keep in mind, the good news. Nothing anyone has ever done is good enough for the good news. And nothing anyone has done is bad enough to take you out of the good news. It's incredible news. It's incredible gift. And we need to remind ourselves again of the good news, of the gospel. So in summary, the local church is not a place to get, as I was saying earlier, it's not a place to get a spiritual high or a, 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 a spiritual goodness or a religious obligation that we have to do or to carry out. It's a family of God. He has put us into a family of God because we belong. He wants us to be in the family of, of his family. He set us into his family. So, and it's also local church family that he is building through us. So people can come to know more of who he is and come to know more of the saving knowledge of Jesus, of how good he is. He's the bestest. I think I used this term before, right? I know it's not an English term, but I'm going to create it. He's the bestest, bestest ever. And that's what we need to share with people. If we don't know that, we need to know more about who Jesus is. We are the people of God. Again, he set us into his family. He intentionally and specifically set us into a family for the here and now. And as a members of his household, not as servants. 
as if I put in my time, now I can punch out, you know, I punch in at 10 o'clock, I punch out at noon. No, we're members. We're sons and daughters. We're part of his family. We, we have royalty, if, if that helps us understand it better. We're royalties. Walk like one, act like one, live like one. Royalty of the Almighty God. So anyway, we're brought together by God. That's what a local church family is. He is building his church. He's specifically handpicking each person for his local church, in this case, restoration. So with that knowledge, I want to encourage all of us to go all in and understanding where he's putting us and commit to the local church. If that's somewhere else, commit to it. If it's here, commit to it, to restoration. He knows better than us in terms of what we need. We may think we know what we need, but he knows better than us what we need. And also at the same time, he knows better than us what restoration needs instead of what we think that we need, what restoration needs from us. Um, so he set us into this local church family. He's building his church through us. Therefore, when we commit to a local church family and serve Jesus through the local church family, we're committing to being part of Jesus' plan and serving him. That's what it means to be a part of a local church family, why it exists for God's family, so that we can be used, and he's building his church through us. And when we serve, we serve in Jesus. Amen.